Welcome to the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Know someone who is making an impact for God's kingdom using their gifts, talents, and passions? We'd love to meet them. Send us an email at podcast at giftsforglory.com. That's podcast at gifts, the number four, glory.com. And now here is our host, Dave Ebert. Hey, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are and whatever time you're watching us or joining us on podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on the uh, Gifts of Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. It's all about just pointing to God, and it's all about celebrating the many, many gifts and talents and passions that he's given us as humans to go out and just bless the world. And more importantly, bless the world so that they come to the foot of the cross and are reconciled with their Father in heaven. So that's what we're that's what we're all about here. Uh, we want to give a huge shout out to uh, Taken TV uh, for having us on their podcast channel. So look for uh, Taken TV on Roku on all your streaming platforms. That's Taken TV Network. Uh, big shout out to uh, Barry Alsobrook for having us on. Also shout out to uh, uh, Kevin and uh, and Kristen Collier of the uh, Creative Motion Network. Thank you so much for giving us Christians a platform to share our gifts, to share our talents and our passions. Uh, you guys are exactly what our gifts for his glory is all about. So thank you to, uh, to Kristen and Scott, uh, uh, Kevin and Kristen uh, Collier. Scott's his middle name. All right. I stumbled through that. That's the beauty of live podcasting. All the mistakes are just out there forever. Not going to worry about editing those out. But we want to talk to you a little bit about uh, our improv ministry. We had a really great time uh, this past weekend on Friday night. Uh, we did a, a fundraiser for uh, Royal Family Kids Camp. It's a camp for foster children. And the money we were, we raised goes directly to that to allow the foster kids to come. Uh, it's all part of our God Gave Us Laughter Tour, uh, which is now booking for uh, t- the rest of this year on into next year. So if you're looking for entertainment, we would love to come out and uh, – and bring clean comedy that that uplifts and encourages, and uh, that's what uh, Gifts of Glory is about. That's what Wellverse Comedy is about. Uh, you can contact us at uh, on Facebook at Wellversed Comedy. Uh, that's at Wellversed C M D Y. Our next show is going to be May twenty eighth. We're going to be at the Hope Center in uh, Bolingbrook, Illinois. You can find tickets for that show uh, Hope Center Comedy and that's in Bolingbrook, Illinois, May 28th. I'm uh, going to give you a little bit of stand-up, a little bit of uh, uh, improv, and some other stuff in between. We've got some surprises in store for you uh, on the Good for the Soul show, because laughter is good for the soul, and that's what we're uh, all about with Wellverse Comedy. And then we're taking our tour on the road to Indiana. We're going to the uh, Koinonia uh, Coffee House, which I think I got right. I'll ask my guests here in just a moment if I got that right. But uh, June 4th is the date. It's going to be a great day of fellowship. Uh, no charge. Donations are welcome, but not expected. And uh, it's just going to be a great time of fellowship, of fun and laughter. And uh, that's uh, just across the border in uh, Wheatland, Indiana. Uh, come and join us and join them every weekend. We're going to be talking about what they're doing at uh, Point Ania, uh Coffee House out there in uh, Indiana. You're really going to be uh, blessed by them. It's all part of the uh, God Gave Us Laughter Tour uh, and that's Saturday, June 4th. Now let's dive into our Devotions with Dave segment. Our Devotions with Dave segment is coming out of one of my favorite books uh, and one of my favorite chapters, and that's Romans 5. We're going to read Romans 5, 6 through 9. 
Um, a lot of people cite Romans 5.8, but I want to give you a little bit of context. So we'll dive in uh, with uh, verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So just in that passage, it shows that most people, they say in a, in a moment that, sure, I would die to help somebody. I, w- I would lay my life down. But in the moment when the crisis comes, so often we will step back. We're afraid. We're afraid of failing or whatever. And this is what this passage is saying is that it's very rare that somebody will actually willfully lay down their lives for somebody. Uh, a lot of times parents will do so for their kids. But in general, in general public, especially for somebody that we don't know, we don't typically go out to lay our lives down. And we certainly don't like to do it for somebody that's a bad person, that, that's an evil person. But that's what makes Christ and what, that's what makes God's love so unique is that Christ came and died for us. Even though we were his enemy, we were sinners. We were living lives completely opposed to the love that God gives for us. And that's how God's love is so perfect is he was willing to die despite our failures. So Romans 5, uh, the entire chapter, and especially 6 through 9, it's so rich to tell us just how incomparable, how un... I I can't even think of the word. Uh, Just the, the power of God's love to be able to love us so much that he is willing to send Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. And it all proves that we can't earn it. We can't do anything to buy it. We can't do anything to check enough boxes. It's already been done. The only thing we got to do is accept it. And uh, that is our devotion with Dave segment, Romans 5 through 9, reading out of the NLT version. Uh, So I hope that blesses you, and I hope that uh, you're encouraged with that. I encourage you to dive into your word quite often and just... uh, and, and soak in it and uh, um, just be encouraged by it. So that was our devotion with Dave segment. Now let me bring on our guest. Uh, he's a true man of God. He's a, he's a, got a wonderful heart. And he's starting something this weekend. It's the uh, Koinonia Co- Coffee House. Uh, it's in Wheatland, Indiana, uh, just across the border from where we're at uh, in the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, so please welcome at this time my guest, Jim Warren. Jim, welcome to the Gifts of Glory podcast. Thank you, man. It's an honor to be on here with you. I appreciate you inviting me on. And just one correction, it's Wheatfield, Indiana. Even though we don't grow wheat down here anymore, there's corn and and soybeans, but there ain't no wheat in Wheatfield anymore. Uh, Wheatfield. (laughs) Yep. In the back of my head, I was debating, is it Wheatfield, Wheatland? But uh, it was Wheatfield without wheat fields. Right. Which is kind of like Greenland without green land. Green land, right. (laughs) That's exactly right. So uh, very cool. Uh, Tell us about uh, the coffee house, where the vision came, and and kind of the, uh, the vision for it. Well, I'm an old uh, Jesus person in many ways from uh, back in the late 60s, early 70s. I, um, after I received Christ, 
I went up and got involved with the Jesus people of Milwaukee, who eventually mm-hmm. became Japuza in Chicago. And um, I was up there for a few months, and they had this Christian coffee house called the J.C. Power and Light Company in mm-hmm. the hippie district of Milwaukee at that time. And kind of like what old town in Chicago used to be back in the 70s, 60s, 70s. And uh, kind of enjoyed that and and really liked that. So um, when I came back to Indiana, I told my dad, hey, I want to do one of these coffee houses out here. And so we looked for a spot all over the place and couldn't find any. And he said, hey, why don't we uh, fix up the basement and we'll do it in the basement? And I said, dad, that'll never work. Who's got the public isn't going to come into a private residence. Well, you know, my dad was a wise man, and four years later, with uh, 12 people going into some form of full-time Christian ministry and dozens of people coming to Christ or growing in their faith, um, dad was right, and it was the perfect place to have it. Well, a lot of things happened after that, but that's really where I got started in ministry, and um uh, over the past uh, five, ten years, God has really been doing some special work in my life, and I really have been desirous of looking for authentic minis- uh, authentic community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work with high-risk kids, and they need three to five adults invested in their lives within the context of community. And I started studying community, and I wondered, well, you know, going to church on Sunday morning and maybe Wednesday night and seeing people once or twice a week isn't really the kind of biblical community that we see in the book of Acts or read about throughout the entire New Covenant. And um, I was looking for people that were interested in the same thing, but I didn't know how to connect. And uh, uh, I was in prayer one time, and I just got this sense that God said, start a coffee house. And I said, mm-hmm. you got to be kidding, God. You know, now, now, I've been there, done that. I did that way back 50 years ago. That worked back then. That's not going to work now. And uh, uh, as usual, when I argue with God, he wins. And um, so um, the whole idea of Koinonia Coffee House uh, came about that way. It's a 60 style, um, I call it a 60 style Christian coffee house. Um, When I say coffee house, people think of Starbucks and fancy coffees and things like that. And now we put on a couple of big pots of coffee and to make everybody happy we have some specialty syrups that they can put in it to make it taste better or whatever but um, and uh, we have um, bakeries from the area that are donating what's left at the end of the week that they would either throw out or give to farmers to feed to the pigs or whatever Mm -hmm. and uh, so they're donating those to us so uh, folks where we're feeding you pig food, but don't tell me. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's good stuff. And uh, it's not expired yet, but it's close to the date and they would normally, they wouldn't take it into the next weekend. And so, um, uh, so we're able to do everything for free and uh, uh, Wheatfield Academy, which used to be Christian Haven uh, residential program for high-risk uh, uh boys now. They're going to start bringing in kids in August. Got to know the guy there, and he said, why don't you do it here? Hmm. And um, I said to myself, I said, yeah, like, who's going to come to Wheatfield, Indiana for something like this? Uh, But God, in his wisdom, um, 
uh, shut all the other doors and made it very, very clear that this is where we should be. And um, so that's where we got here. But the whole idea is to build relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be bringing in musicians and comedians and hopefully find some drama people and things like that. Um, because a lot of people like to be entertained, but that's really not the the ministry thing behind it. The ministry thing is building relationships with people, uh, being able to show them the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. Those who don't know Christ, uh, encourage them to become disciples of Jesus. Those who, who are in Christ, encourage them to realize that the Christian walk isn't what we normally see around us, but it's this real radical um, relationship with God that brings us into a radical lifestyle that's different than other people around us. And um, so that's kind of what we're trying to do. I'm, I'm, my heart is really set on that 64% of young people who grew up in the church and have left the church aren't expected to come back. And mm. the 33% of adults in America who used to go to church and no longer go to church. And so it's a kind of way of reaching out to them without being churchy, so to speak. Not right. that I'm against the churches, but um, they're looking for something different. And so we're trying to offer them something different. And um, and also hoping the churches will use it as a place to bring people that they're building relationships with. Yeah. So we, we kind of have a multi-purpose behind it. <laughs> So the uh, the coffee house is basically going to be just a, a Saturday gathering spot, yep. or will you have uh, other things going on during the week, or is it just going to be Saturdays? Right now, Saturday nights, the doors open at six forty five. Um, it's one two five zero one Indiana forty nine in Wheatfield, Indiana. And um, it's about 30 minutes drive from the north side of Alparaiso and a 30 minute drive from the south side of Rensselaer. So we get both Porter and Jasper County in there. And um, it's uh, it's just a place to come and enjoy yourself, uh, learn what it means uh, to commune, live in communion with God and how to live in communion with one another. And I think that community is the biggest thing that the, the church is, is, has lost, uh, especially over the last two years because of, of the pandemic and being locked away in, in our homes for so long. And exactly. I think that that just fed a beast has already grown because of social media and because of the uh, the large church setting where people come, do their hour in the dark, and then leave. And I think that the Christian church has has really lost the desire and and the benefit of that fellowship and that community of getting to know one another to really lift one another up. Obviously there are exceptions, but I think in America, especially that's kind of becoming the rule of come in, punch the clock, do your hour and you're, and you're, you're done. But community is where it's at. That's how Jesus ministered. That's how the disciples ministered. That's how the church in China, despite persecution, is growing abundantly because like your your father's coffee house met in basements, yep. hidden away, community, caring yep. for each other and seeking the one who can carry us through. So Absolutely. I love the idea. And that's why when uh, 
when Dennis Tooley from Gutties uh, hooked us up, I was like, yes, let's do this. Uh, uh, and that's what's exciting to me, getting quality guys like you down. And and we have a lot of quality uh, local people in this area. I have a, a comedian friend from Valparaiso that goes all over the country, but he's going to come in in July and uh, uh, spend some time with us. But uh, to to meet people like you, uh, a lot of people are excited. We got a couple of groups coming in from uh, Chicago area, another one coming in from Indianapolis, and mix that with our local um, talent in the area. Um, and uh, people are just really, really, from what I can tell from the people I've talked to, really excited. We'll find out Saturday right. if anybody <laughs> shows up or not. But uh, at least they, they they talk about being excited about it. So um, that'll be that'll be the interesting thing. But I think, you know, that word koinonia, it's a Greek word that is often translated as fellowship. And the English word fellowship meant a whole lot more back when it was first used to translate that word than it means today. Today, it means having a, a potluck dinner once a month at the church, you know, or being a part of a softball team that goes out and plays softball together. But uh, the probably the closest word that um, that comes to it today, and it's translated a few times this way, as communion. Mm-hmm. And we're called into communion with the persons of the Trinity. We're called into their community and communion with them. Um, and we're called to have that same kind of community and communion with one another. And you can't read through the New Covenant and and not know how much we're missing when, like Philippians chapter 2, you know, Paul says, look at if there's any reality to this Christian thing, this is Jim Warren paraphrase, mm-hmm. uh, that we're, you know, that, that we're talking about, then be of the same mind, put others' needs before yourself, have this attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And, um, uh, verse after verse talks about an intimacy of relationship between God's people that we just don't get. And we come up with a thousand uh, systematized theological arguments about why we can't live that way today or cultural arguments. And uh, the truth of the matter is, when you really study it, they just don't hold water. That's exactly what we're called to be. And uh, sometimes we have to realize that maybe it means living a different kind of lifestyle than uh, what we're used to. And that takes up so much of our time and energy and learning to change things around in our lives where we have the time and energy to put into each other. And as we reach out to other people. Yeah. Absolutely. And as I'm hearing you talk, I'm also thinking of the the deeper meaning of fellowship is you think of Moses during in the Old Testament, the Israelites during battle, he had fellowship with, with uh, I believe it was Aaron and Ur were the two yes. that lifted his arms in the battle. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of fellowship that we miss is that when somebody's in the midst of something, we're, we're too often in a hurry, like, okay, I'll pray for you or they want to do the quick fix and get out. But so rarely is the, the friend or, or the brother or sister in Christ who's willing to hold your arms up during that battle to help you find the victory. 
And exactly. I think that that's uh, the fellowship that we need. We need to be able to get in there because let's face it, back then they didn't have degree. They didn't have sure. So when Aaron and Ur went in there, they went in on a ripe old man raising his arm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and, uh, and, and I begin to understand that a whole lot more. You know, I'm, uh, uh, I, I work with high risk kids, um, uh, volunteer with them out at the uh, local uh, juvenile detention center. And uh, I joke with them, a new group will come in and I'll look at them and say, why are you, why do you want to get together with a 70 year old bald white fat man? I mean, I, I obviously can't relate to you. Why are you here? And of course they start laughing and people tell me, oh, you shouldn't say that you're putting yourself down. I said, well, what's wrong with being 70? What's wrong with being bald and what's wrong with being <laughs> overweight? Excuse me. I mean, I, you know, but uh, that's what the kids think when they first see me. And so um, I get that out of the way. But the, the truth of the matter is now that I'm 70 years old, it's a whole lot different than 50 years ago when I started the uh, the first coffee house. And um, uh, fortunately, God has brought some people around me and, and this ministry that are helping to hold up our, um, our arms so that uh, we can uh, uh, all work together and see God move. That's the important thing. It's got to be a God thing. It's got to be a move of God. Yeah. And without God in it, there's no point to it. Nope. I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time praying about this coffee house because, you know, I'm the kind of guy that I can come up with 60 great ideas of things to do. Um, but I'm tired of chasing, uh, uh, the kids out at JDC call me Jimbo and I, I'm tired of chasing Jimbo's dreams. Um, I want what God is in, uh, you know, yeah. I want, and you know, it's, I was telling someone today, it's like, I began ministry in this kind of a coffee house, uh, 50 years ago. And, um, it looks like God, so I kind of slid into ministry that way, and it looks like I'll be sliding out of life in the same kind of setting <laughs> again. And uh, and so these these final years that I have here on this earth, I, I don't want to play games. I don't want to just do what we do because we do it. I really want to be led by the Spirit. I want to see... Uh, I'm not looking for big things, but I am looking for the power of God's spirit to be alive and working in people's lives and, uh, and not just programs um, happening. Yeah. That's awesome. The, um, the, the uh, coffee house opens up this coming weekend. Uh, we're, uh, we're broadcasting live on May 2nd. So it's this uh, Saturday night. Uh, tell us what, uh, uh, who's coming and uh, what uh, uh, people can expect when they show up. Yeah, um, the the doors open at six forty five. The program gets started around seven o'clock. Um, we uh, our first set is done by a local group of young people, uh, the teen band from Calvary Church in Demont, Indiana, uh, is coming out. Actually, all of May and June. Um, the people that are in charge of this group have so many of the young people in their church uh, wanting to be a part of this. They can only bring five at a time. And uh, so um, I, you know, it's just going to be May. And I said, well, go ahead and go into June if you got that many kids, because what we really want to do in the first set is let people who are just beginning to learn how to use their gifts uh, in music and comedy and drama yeah. or whatever, poetry, um, to 
to have a place where they can begin to learn um, to to use those gifts in a yeah. in a kind of safe setting, and uh, so that'll go on for a little bit, and then we'll take a little break. Come back. Um, the campus that we're on is Wheatfield Academy, and it's a new ministry that's starting up. They're going to be bringing young men in starting in August, and we usually have a testimony time, uh, just a short little testimony time then, but uh, we're going to have uh, the director of Wheatfield Academy come in and uh, share with us about that ministry and how he came to the area and how God has moved in his life uh, to bring this ministry about uh, Wheatfield Academy. And then we'll have our first set with a couple of guys named Frank and Steve. Frank Guzzo and, and Steve Campbell. Frank is a guy I've known for many years and uh, he has done music and is up on the the uh, Christian music world uh, throughout this area. And uh, he did it for a while down in Jasper County, and now he's in P- Porter County. And uh, he's an older guy who loves the kind of music that I love. Um, you know, uh, Larry Norman, and see, some of you guys won't even know who I'm talking about, but Larry Norman and Keith Green and Honey Tree and Petra and, you know, groups like that. And uh, he has a pastor friend, and they've been doing music together for years. They write it. They do all a variety of different styles, blues, folk, um, but all based on Jesus, all mm-hmm. all Christian ministry music. And uh, so they'll do a set. We'll take a little bit of a break, come back. I'll do a short kind of demonstration type uh, message. And for those of you who know me, who may be listening, I promise you I will keep it short. I'm shooting for five minutes. That means it'll be 10 minutes. You know me. And so, <laughs> Have 10 minutes. So if I shoot for five, I'll keep it at 10. And just some kind of a little little message that says, kind of like Dave did today uh, at the beginning of this broadcast, uh, that that challenges us to radical discipleship. Whether we're in Christ or out of Christ, I think today we need to realize just what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ um, in ways we haven't really seen before. And so we'll be using different kind of illustrations and demonstrations to uh, to make that uh, not a sermon, but just kind of a fun time. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and then we'll have a second set with Frank and Steve. So uh, we'll have coffee there. We'll have soda and water. We'll have uh uh, pastries, cookies, all kinds of stuff like that coming in from the bakeries. It's all free. Uh, we do, um, we will have a place for donations for the coffee house that are not uh, required or ex- uh, expected, but uh, would, uh, if you want to help us, and then there'll also be a can up front on the stage for the groups that come in. And we really ask people to donate to that. Um, uh, especially when you come in, Dave, with with your guys all the way from Chicago, uh, we hope you get you enough gas money to get back home. <laughs> well, we we need some generous folks, and we need the gas prices to drop a little bit. But uh, yep, yep, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah. God's kind of funny. I, I just got to tell you this: uh, uh, He literally gave me a 2008 Hummer H3. 
about three months ago. So my mechanic, um, my car was kind of falling apart and he knows I live kind of a simple lifestyle. And, and, um, he called me up one day and said, Hey, do you want my wife's Hummer? Hmm. And, uh, uh, I said, yeah, it depends on what you want for it. He says, no, we we're just looking for someone to give it to. It's in great shape. And I had driven it before. And, and so he, uh, he gave it to us. Unfortunately, you know, I, I wonder whether God really knew where gas prices were going before he gave <laughs> me that Hummer. <laughs> he said, I'll provide you a ride, but I need you to stay home. Yes, yes. We do a lot of that these days. <laughs> well, Jim, uh, my favorite part of the program and uh, of every one of these interviews is to find out your story. Uh, obviously, you had uh, influence from your father as far as your faith, but uh, you know, tell us your full story. How did you go from little Jim to now Jim Warrior for God? Uh, was, it, was it entirely your father or is there other people involved in that walk? No, in fact, my father, um, I grew up uh, in Portage, Indiana, uh, Northwest Indiana, and um, my mom was the one of real faith. We were a churched family, um, and I, I put it that way specifically. We went to church every Sunday. My mom played the organ in the church. Um, my dad went to church. Um, you know, it was one of those things where uh, uh, one of the good girls married one of the guys from the wrong side of the tracks, and um uh, my dad was a good guy, but he had his own little monsters from time to time in his life. And uh, uh, but he went to church um, because mom said, hey, you know, we're married. You're going to come to church with me and uh, eventually became the Sunday school superintendent, which um, is is always interesting to me. Uh, but mom was the the organist in church and I used to sit on the organ. In fact, when I learned to play um I used to play the pedals. She could do them, but and she put the music up at the bottom of the organ and I'd play the pedals with her. So I grew up in the church, mm-hmm. um, but I did not know what it really meant to to follow Jesus, to live for Jesus. And when I was in high school, I had an advanced world history course. And uh, instead of learning the dates and the events, we look, took it from more of a sociological, cultural standpoint. And and studied the cultures of history. And I began to learn this concept called discipleship and realized that there were people who had students who learned what they had to teach, but there were others that had disciples that not only learned what their master taught, Hmm. but um, who uh, mimicked their lifestyle, who lived their lifestyle. And um, I began to understand that that wait a minute, uh, Christians were the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch many years uh, after Pentecost, and mm-hmm. so what we are are disciples of Jesus, and I didn't see a lot of that, and at the same time I was uh, getting ready to graduate high school, and I realized uh, that you know I could I could understand Jesus dying on the cross for my sins, but I also realized that if I wanted Jesus as my Savior, I He had to be my Lord too. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, God was large and in charge, and he wanted to be large in charge of my life. And quite frankly, at that point in my life, I didn't want anybody large and in charge of my life other than Jimbo. And so um, 
uh, I I walked away from the church. I walked away from everything I knew about Jesus. I I had studied philosophies and uh, did that a little bit in college. Um, and um, when I do something, I kind of do it all out. And so when I walked away from from uh, Christianity, I began to study every reason why the Bible couldn't be God's word, why Jesus was a historical figure. I mean, that was pretty obvious, but why he couldn't be God and um, uh, kind of became the guy on campus that they'd send the Christians who came to witness to and say, if you can convince him, then we'll talk to you. And so I kind of became the, uh, in, in some ways, the anti-Christian on campus. Hmm. And uh, Bertram Russell's book, Why I'm Not a Christian, uh, became my Bible and uh, knew all the reasons why. And uh, got involved and played in a rock band and got involved in that whole scene um, and uh, everything that that meant back in the late 60s and early 70s. And, um, uh, you know, was doing that and was having a whole lot of fun. But, man, there was just something missing. And I worked full time at the steel mills in Gary, Indiana and went full-time to college, <clears throat> and on the weekends, I'd go down to Bloomington, uh, to IU, to party, and to have fun with everybody, and uh, while I was out at the mill, um, this old Southern Baptist guy kept coming up to me. I used to love to argue with people, and um, I would just argue with guys about religion and philosophy. And he'd always come up to me. His name was Marshall Fleeg. And he'd always come up to his little hunchback guy and he'd come up and he'd tap me on the back and he said, Hey, you know, Jim, the answer isn't in that it's in Jesus. And I said, Oh no, it isn't, man. I grew up in church my whole life. There's no reality there. And he said, well, just remember this. It's not about churchianity. It's about Christianity. It's about mm. Jesus first. Then you begin to understand what the church is all about. And um, he kept pestering me. And at the same time, I was still living at home and I would leave to go out and play in the rock band or to party. And my mom would come up and, and I would be leaving and she'd say, Hey, Jim, uh, uh, be good and have a good time. And I would turn around and look at her and I said, mom, now that's a choice. Which one do you want me to do is be good or have a good time. Right. And I would turn around right away and start walking. Cause I knew what she would say next is just remember, I'm praying for you. Hmm. Well, one day, Marshall bothered me, and I got a little upset. He was my gang leader out there, and and I had to listen to him. And I said, look, I have to listen to you, but leave this Jesus garbage out of this. And my language wasn't exactly that clean at the time. Right. And, uh, and he said, I will, as long as you do one thing, take this little booklet. And it was just this little, little booklet about like that, mm -hmm. and go behind that pile of steel and take a half an hour off and read it. And I looked at that, and I'd taken a speed reading course uh, in my senior year in high school. And, and I looked at that, and I half a you know, it took me five minutes to do this, and I can sleep for a half an hour. Yeah. So I went behind the pile of steel. Unfortunately, he cheated because he went behind another pile. We didn't have any work to do. He went behind another pile of steel and started praying for me. My mom was praying mm -hmm. for me at home, and it was just scriptures about uh, Jesus and his love for us, God's love for us, and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, and uh, how God calls us into relationship with him and into his kingdom. And um, I read through those, and um, for the first time in my life, 
I still had all the reasons up here, but something happened in here. Mm. Something got a hold of me, and those words began to just pop off the page. Mm. And then there was this prayer, and then it talked about what happened if you pray that prayer, right? And so I went and I read the second part of it, and I just kept reading it over. And all it was was scripture verses, and they just kept Mm. coming. I, I put it in my pocket. I went back to work and it was like it was burning. I had a jacket on. I'd open up the the, the flap, look, make sure nobody's watching me because they all knew where I stood. And I'd pull that out. And it's like a guy pulling a flask out, you know, to right, take right. a drink, you know, pu- pulling that out for God so loved the world that he gave him scriptures I'd heard before, but man, they were just real all of a sudden. And so I had a break and I went out <clears throat> behind Fab Shop C and in uh, uh, U.S. Steel in Gary, Indiana, in July of 1971, and I sat down on the back steps, and here was my prayer of salvation. I understood what it was saying. Here's my prayer of salvation. Okay, God, I quit. Mm. That was my prayer of salvation. Now, as a good little church boy, I opened it up and read the prayer just to make sure I did it right, right? <laughs> but my my real prayer of salvation was me giving myself over to God, saying, okay, God, I understand this Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but you know where my problem has been. I don't want you to be Lord. Well, I have done so much, and I'm so full of so much garbage right now, and I'm so empty. I quit. You take charge. And when that happened, for me, it isn't this way for everybody, but for me, it was like God took some vacuum cleaner and hooked up to the top of my head and sucked all of that slop out of me. Mm. And I felt like, a, a for the first time, I felt like a brand new guy. And um, from there, uh, long story short, ended up going with the Jesus people in Milwaukee up in Wisconsin, came back, started the coffee house, went to a Bible college in Chicago on the north side of Chicago, not Moody, um, but another Bible college on the north side of Chicago. Uh, For three years while I was doing that, we were still running the coffee house and did Bible studies during the week uh, Mm -hmm. back in Portage, came back, a small church kind of grew out of that. That grew to a point, ended up in an evangelical free church, um, had my ordination transferred over there um, uh, to the evangelical free church in uh, uh, on Washington Island, Wisconsin, where I pastored for six years and then uh, ended up out in Pennsylvania. And, you know, I the pastoral ministry was was fine. Um, I enjoyed it, but I tell people today, for me, it was like wearing King Kong's mittens. You know, <laughs> I, I could do it, but um, but when I went out to Pennsylvania and started working with high risk kids in youth in this youth small little youth center, um, started working with them, I had no idea what to do. But it eventually became I put on a pair of racing gloves, mm. and. Um, I tried everything I knew about ministry. It wasn't working with them. And I started praying and reading the scriptures. And one day I was in prayer and I'm just saying, God, how do I reach these kids? And he, he said, now, I don't know how God talks to you, Dave, but, but here's how I felt God saying to me, right? Mm-hmm. Shut up and spend time with them. Just shut up and spend time with them. Mm-hmm. And I started doing that. And all of a sudden, because I was interested in what they were interested in, they became interested in what I was interested in. 
and I'd take them out for hamburgers and I'd take them out for, for sodas and, and I'd play basketball with them and I would, you know, do these things with them and just be myself with them in Christ. And they'd say, Jimbo, why do you do this stuff for us, you know, and with us? And I'd say, well, you really don't want to know. <laughs> you know? And they go, yeah, we do. And I go, no, 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 I'll sound like <laughs> a preacher if I tell you that. And go, no, why are you doing that? And the door would open for me to share Christ with them. And God has changed the lives of um of so many young people out there. And, you know, I was out there for 16 years. We started other youth centers um, towards the end of my time out there. Finally came back to Northwest Indiana. My mom had Alzheimer's and mm-hmm. she asked if I would move back and uh, spend time with her while it meant, while uh, it still made sense to spend time with her. And so I moved yeah. back with her and, and uh, uh, spent time with her, but I got involved with Youth for Christ and started going to Porter County Juvenile Detention Center. And uh, that's where I continued that ministry with high-risk kids. And I still go in there 15 years later. I do a Sunday afternoon time with them. Uh, it's supposed to be, quote-unquote, a Bible study, but they call it Jimbo's Comedy Hour. And, <laughs> uh, and then I meet with them individually on Wednesdays. And when they get out, if they contact me, uh, I coach and disciple them. And I've uh, been doing that for 15 years out here. And, um, uh, but, you know, Dave, and, and then I told you the story of the coffee house and, and where mm-hmm. that came from. Um, but, you know, the, the whole thing is I tell kids all the time, I can look down this big, long corridor of 50 years of walking with the Lord. And um, uh, I can see how God has taken every difficult situation. And I had many difficult situations in my life. Um, I had my first wife leave. I married another lady. She died of cancer five years later. Um, My kids went off the rails for, for a long while. Um, Every, and the, and the, just the, the pressures of ministry and raising money and, and all of that. Uh, but God took every one of those situations and used them to make me um, more conformed to the image of Christ Jesus today than I was 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I think that's the message that we all need to hear, that God uses the good, the bad, and the ugly in us. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what... Um, uh, um, and he uses every one of those situations. You know, it says, for God uh, works all things together for the good of them that love him are called according to his purpose. And that purpose is that we live conformed to the image of Jesus. It's yeah. not that God's going to take everything and make it good for us, but he's going to take everything and work it to us becoming more conformed to the image of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, that's my goal uh, in my latter years here is to... Uh, become more and more like Christ and to help other people become more and more like Christ. Amen. And, and your little, lights went out. You're, you're, yeah. you're uh, hiding in the cave, Dave. Well, that's the, the beauty of doing live video with cats right. in the house and they brush up <laughs> against and knock your, uh, your uh, ring lights out. Um, but uh, you can still kind of see me. I can just the other one. Uh, that looks there like you me. go. Uh, well, so now cool. I can interrogate you. Yeah, I know. Right? You're under the interrogation light. 
So I I'll just I'll just stay in the dark for the rest of uh <laughs> this is horrible. Uh so professional. Sorry. Yes, that's okay. And now our audio listeners who will listen to the audio podcast in a couple of days, they're like, what's going on? I don't get what's it. What's going on? What's going yeah. on? Right. But uh, uh, we'll just say that your testimony just blew the lights out. We'll, we'll say that. <laughs> the power of God through your voice just knocked the lights out. Sure. We'll say that. <laughs> and uh, and I've got some property down in Florida to sell you too. Oh, uh, well, at this point, I live in Illinois. I'll take it. <laughs> But uh, we've got a, a, a viewer, Allison Schaefer, who's been commenting. Ah, hey, Allison. Uh, she's uh, uh, said that, uh, yes, I uh, love it. Um, earlier, you are talking about uh, uh, getting into ministry with the coffee house and, uh, and about your work with youth. All they need is love, God, and grace. Yep. So, uh, Allison, thanks so much for, uh, for tuning in. Um, so it's just powerful to hear the story of a prodigal who – who knew God, but kind of went on his own way for a little while, but came back to the father and is now seeing even that lost time being redeemed. Because I think that even though God wouldn't want you to have gone that path, some of the things that you experienced on that path has equipped you now to speak into the youth of today that you're working with. Because had you never gone on that path, you may not have had an understanding of some of the things that, they're experiencing. Uh, I think is, is, that, is that a fair assessment? Oh, it, it's it, it definitely is true. I I tell them all the time. Um, you know the the difference between you and me is that I didn't get caught. You know, <laughs> they're sitting there in juvie, and uh, uh, and and I said the truth of the matter is now you know the the drugs we did back then are different than the drugs. I mean, they got harder drugs now than what we we had available to us here in Northwest Indiana at the time, though everything's available now in Northwest Indiana and all over the country. But, uh, you know, I had to go up to Chicago and uh, uh, to to get the, the heroin and, and coke like that back then. Uh, so we dropped acid and did the, the pot and stuff like that. But, uh, but, you know, I, 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 uh, would steal from stores. I would, I would do things with the car that if my dad knew it, even today, he'd come up out of the grave and, <laughs> and uh, pull off the belt and <laughs> go to, go to town with me. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, just, um, so, yeah, but that, that's the thing we have to remember, you know, you're never too far gone that number one, God can't forgive you, but number two, God can't use you. Right. You know, um, all those things. I, I've got a young lady that God has been working in her life since I first started out at, at uh, Porter County Juvie, um, who just kept falling back into addiction problems and that, and has finally come out of that and has a family and is doing great. And uh, uh, if you're listening in, Courtney, yep, that's you, girl. And um, uh, you know, God's going to get a hold of her one of these days. Uh, she she gets closer and closer to that. And, and I keep telling her all the stuff that you've gone through, you've gone through it so that you can use that experience to help others. And, um, I think that's, um, that's a reality. I think sometimes people think that, you know, my life is too messed up. Um, well, the truth of the matter is if you're growing in Christ, then you've grown a little bit more than somebody else. And God's going to connect you with that person to help them grow. 
Absolutely. There's nothing that God can't use and, and nothing God can't redeem. Uh, the the onus is on us to let him. Yep. Uh, it, obviously, there are some exceptions, like the one-on-one encounter between Paul and Jesus. That's one that you probably can't walk away from and say, no, God, I'm, I'm not going to follow you. But yeah. uh, but in general, God is just, he's very gentle and he'll, res- you know, he completely respects our wishes. I truly believe yep. that if Paul had said no, then, you know, it would be a much different New Testament. But God does not force himself on us. Nope, we don't want to let him redeem the things that we've been through, whether it's by circumstance or by our own choice and stupidity. He'll say, okay, you can live with the consequences, both natural and supernatural, or he can take them and redeem them, especially in the supernatural, but he can That's also right. redeem them in the natural. That's right. That's right. In fact, you know, the truth of the matter is, I, I think sometimes we in the church say so much in the natural that that we don't, and, and I'm not talking about being way out there, but we don't realize how spiritual and truly mystical Christianity is. I mean, mm-hmm. to be in Christ, I mean, just because I can explain that rationally doesn't take away from the mystery of that that reality and uh, to be seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now while I'm yeah. sitting here talking to you, I mean, you know, come on. And uh, just the whole concept of being in Christ um, is, uh, you know, can can blow your mind if you think yeah. about it. And, you know, just because you can teach a course and, and teach what that what that means uh, doesn't doesn't mean you have it, you know, I mean, that you're really living in it. And yet we're called to live and walk in the spirit as the only yeah. way to please God and, and to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law to live as God's image bearers. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and so I think that, that we need to realize that it's not me doing ministry. It's me simply being the channel through which God flows Mm -hmm. into the life of someone else. And so if someone else's life is changed because I happen to be around them, that has nothing to do with Jim Warren. It has everything to do with the grace of God and the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit ignited in that person's life. And, um, and I just happened to be the hose, maybe that the that, that the, the the water ran through to give them a drink of water, but that doesn't make the hose anything special. In fact, I usually take the hose and just throw it in the yard and leave it there. You know, <laughs> and and yet God, you know, not only causes us to be His children, but He raises up to the position of sons in His kingdom and give us full responsibility and authority. To to extend his kingdom into the lives of others. And he gives us that special place next to him as his child, but also as his son. Hmm. And that's girls too, by the way, it's not a sexist term. It's a, it's a position um, of responsibility and authority that God gives us. And so, um, and, and it's, it's, it's unbelievable. This walk with Jesus, you know, 50 years I've been on this walk with Jesus and uh, this July, it'll be 51 years. And um, it just is the most 
exciting adventure that I could imagine. I, mm-hmm. I can't imagine any other adventure as, as exciting as this. And yes, have I, have I slipped down the mountain a little bit from time to time or a whole lot from time to, you better believe it. But you know, father is so gracious and he picks us up and he says, okay, have you learned your lesson, son? Come on, let's move forward. And um, so that that power of God, not just to forgive us, but to change us so we can live by faith in uh, and exercise obedience to the things that he calls us to in the new covenant um, are are just unbelievable. And to meet people along the way, you know, the the people God has placed in my life along the way are are just some of the neatest people. And I'm I'm really looking forward. I said to to you this before we went live, but I'm really looking forward to get to know this Dave guy over here. Um, uh, He's a little wild and crazy like my friend Dennis Tooley. And if he's if he's like Dennis Tooley, then he's got to be a great guy. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting to know you, my friend. Uh, I appreciate that. And in many ways, I, I I think of Dennis Tooley as my as my comedy dad, or actually, he's he's more like my granddad, <laughs> <laughs> great grandfather almost, yeah. right? Well, I don't know if it would be appropriate to refer to Dennis Tooley as great in any. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I hope Dennis is listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jimbo, I love your uh, your heart, and I love your story. Um, uh, Allison says, "Thank you, Jim, for digging deeper uh, w- with your walk and and and, uh, and serving and finding ways to be um, impactful in the kingdom in, in any way possible. It's it's obvious that that you have a heart to make a difference and to leave a legacy, but not for Jimbo's name, but for the name of Christ. And it, it's it's obvious, and I, I appreciate it. And I know Allison does, and and the kids that you're touching now uh, are." are definitely indebted. So, uh, so thank you for, for that. Um, thank you. As we uh, wrap up, we have two final segments. Uh, one's called the interrogation. It's seven random questions that uh, otherwise wouldn't have uh, fit into the interview. And then we'll ask you for your wise counsel for anyone that wants to use their gifts for God's glory. So let's start with the interrogation. Law and order. Bum, bum. <laughs> all right. Other than the Bible, because that's too easy. Uh, what's your all-time favorite book? My all-time favorite book is probably um, uh, one that I, you know, this this sounds weird. I I read three to five books all at the same time. Um, and that's probably why I'm so confused. Um, but right now, the favorite book that I have is Francis Chan's book on unity and mm-hmm. his book, Letters to the Church. Um, I really believe God raises up people worldwide with a, who have a worldwide influence with a prophetic voice. And I think um, Francis Schaeffer was one back in the the middle or the uh, the middle of the last half of the last century uh, when he wrote the great evangelical disaster, and um, uh, I think Francis Chan is speaking to the church in ways today um, that uh, a lot of people haven't and. Mm. So those two books, his recent one on unity and the one on letters to the church, I, I highly recommend those. Good deal. 
right, question number two. Uh, who uh, who is your team or who are your teams? As far my as teams or my team? Team. Te- oh, sports teams. Yep. Well, I tell you what. Uh, I'm from the Chicago area, and of course – uh, it was always the Bears and the Bulls, and I kind of moved away from the Bulls the busier I got and watched the Bears for a long time. And then I sat down one time and I said to myself, you know, I have enough frustration in my life. Football, sports is supposed to be entertainment. And mm-hmm. when it's more frustrating than anything else in my life, maybe I ought to walk away. Well, <laughs> where I ran the youth center um, uh, out in Pennsylvania, um, the the football hero uh, in the town, main town that I was in um, was the guy who became the coach of the, of the Chicago bears until this year, uh, Matt. And, um, and so I started watching them again for Matt and I think I've gotten hooked again. And so, uh, I have a buddy that comes over some of the times and we sit and we watch the bears together. So, okay. I wasn't sure if the transition to Northwest Indiana had, uh, corrupted you into uh, cheering on the, uh, the Colts or not. So. Never, never. <laughs> you know, yeah, we are Northwest Indiana. We're not Central Indiana, and so, um, uh, yeah, no. Um, if I'm going to to stay wrapped up in sports, it'll have to be uh, the Bears. There you go. Right, question number three: uh, favorite vacation spot. <laughs> I have not been on vacation for many years here, mm. um, but uh, one of my favorite spots, my best friend, John Sinclair, lives down in Tennessee outside of Knoxville. Okay. And uh, I visited him a number of times, and um, I went into Gatlinburg, and there you drive through Gatlinburg, and you go up into the Smoky Mountain National Park, mm-hmm. and they, they have these little places where you can park and walk down, and there's this one that I discovered uh, that has kind of like these small waterfalls coming down, and then there's this, um, this pool. And then there's another waterfall, and my and there's magnolia bushes all the way around, and uh, my favorite spot in the world to be. And when I want to just quiet myself down, I picture this. I I went there one time. I brought my swimming trunks along underneath my jeans, and so I got in my swimming trunks and there was this rock right under the waterfall and just a small waterfall. And I sat there and uh, the rock kept me from being pushed away. And that water just came down over me. Mm. And um, it was the most relaxing place I think I've ever been in my life. Nice. I I love the Smoky Mountains and uh, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge area. Good choice. Question number four, if you could, what is something that you wish you could do over? <laughs> oh, ma'am. Um, do, do you want me to sound good or do you want me to be honest? Um, I'll be honest. Um, I wish I could parent all over again. Mm. Um, when when I uh, first started in ministry, I became so interested in ministry I'm not as bad as I thought I was, and God took a lot of years to teach me this, but I did not spend as much time with my kids as I should have. And, um, and they paid the price for that. And, um, 
uh, and God has used that in their life to make them the people they are today, and I'm thankful for that, and God has forgiven me, but uh, if I could do it all over again, I'd go back and um, with uh, John and Rachel and Jeremiah and with them being little kids and uh, spend half of my time with them and uh, and half of the time I used to spend in ministry um, with them rather than, than in ministry. And that that would be the ministry that God gave me first and foremost anyway. And so that's what I do all over again. Gotcha. Uh, question number five, uh, you know, because I like a huge pendulum swing, uh, who is your favorite comedian or, or a funny person? Dennis Tooley. Really? And he promised me he'd send a check for a hundred dollars if I would say that today. Oh, no, okay. I'm kidding. Perfect. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I love Dennis. I yeah. I love Dennis. You know, I I watch these guys on TV, and I you know have seen comics, and but uh, uh, there's something about a guy that has MS that stands up on the stage and says at the beginning, "Now you guys got to know I have MS," and I fall over every once in a while. So if I fall over, don't worry about it. I'm going to keep going. You just keep laughing. You know, <laughs> there's something special about that kind of, of guy. And yeah. uh, there's only one Dennis Tooley in this world. And I am thankful that, uh, that I'm able to call him friend. Yeah. He's a, he's a heck of a guy. I really like Dennis. And I also like Steve, uh, you know, his partner down there at, uh, at Gutty's down in. Uh, I've never met Steve. So, um, but uh Yeah. And I have to get down there to Gutties, but you know, with a with a uh, uh, a Hummer H3, it's seventy five dollars to drive down to Indianapolis and back. So, <laughs> in gas these days, and so uh, it won't be for a while that I get down there. Well, what you do is you does your Hummer have the hitch on the front? Yeah, it does. Go to a truck stop five miles from your house, hook up, and follow a tractor trailer down to Indy, and then just coast to Greenwood. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> totally legal. You know that you you say that as a joke. I used to drive a Triumph Spitfire when I was young and before I became a Christian. And when I was going down to Bloomington uh, in the middle of the night on on uh, Friday on Fridays, um, I would pull up right behind a semi and put it in neutral and the draft would pull me all the way down to Indy. <laughs> mm, wow. <laughs> don't do that people. No, it's very do dangerous, but uh, yeah, I got down there for free almost. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, question number six. Uh, what has been your proudest moment? My proudest moment. Um, I think I think my proudest moment was when um, <laughs> when after a very, very difficult time in my life, um, I um, God got a hold of me again in a very special way. And um and said what happened was my first wife left and um 
and left in a way that I could say to the church, look how she left, man. You know, it's not me, it's her. Mm-hmm. And um, God said, look it, you can keep going the way you're going, or you can take this pain and you can let me change you with it, mm-hmm. through it. And when I said, okay, God, uh, once again, like I did when I accepted him, I quit. Um, I know that there's things that were in my life that were wrong, added to the problems that we had in my first marriage. And um, uh, it was hard and it took a long time. But if I look back now, it's like looking down that long road that, and, and it's hard to say I'm proud about it, but it was probably the most important time in my life where God's grace allowed me to say, okay, God. And I went out and I got help mm. from people to help me deal with the parts of Jim Warren that added to the negativity in our family. And, um, and the fact that, that God gave the grace for that to happen was probably the most significant time in, in my life. Um, and so proud, yeah, proud of God that he could get through to such a knucklehead to say, mm-hmm. yeah, you could, you could say, yeah, look, you left, you know, I'm okay. It's biblical for us. Yeah. Uh, that's garbage guys deal with your own garbage. And, yeah. um, and God did and, um, and has been for a long time. Yeah. So it came down to the the choice. Do you let the circumstances break you or do you let God break you and then build you back up? Amen. And that's exactly what he did. And I'm so thankful for him, to him for that. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that probably isn't the typical answer you get for the proudest moment of your life. But I, for me, it all, it, it all circles around God. Um, yeah. It really does. I mean, it's, I guess I'm a little radical that way. <laughs> <laughs> And those are the stories that change lives. Uh, Allison says, your new beginning is the best stories. Uh, hard, they're hard, and God's got this. So, uh, yep. yeah, Absolutely, Allison. Thank you so much for, for hanging out with us. So we've got one more interrogation question for you. Uh, this one should be easy, I hope. Uh, what mile marker would you tell, or what, what mile marker would tell you that uh, Quinonia is a success? Changed lives. Changed lives coming together and forming authentic community. Hmm. You know, not just a bunch of individuals running around saying, I've got a changed life. Jesus changed my life. Uh, When Jesus changes your life, you come to Jesus as an individual. But that moment of faith, you're also immediately immersed into Christ and you become a part of a community. Hmm. And I I have prayed since the early 2000s that before I go home to be with the Lord, that God would allow me to see authentic community taking place amongst a small group of people who are living radically for Jesus Christ, who are not interested in comfort, entertainment, and adornment, and financial security based on a human economic system, but take the promises of God in the new covenant and the commands of God in the new covenant seriously and live the You cannot live the life of Christ 
without living it in authentic community with other yeah. people. And, um, and, and it doesn't mean I'm putting down anything else that's out there. I, I just want to see something that, that when the Bible says, you know, um, show self emptying, self-sacrificial servant attitude type love that drives you to dangerous acts of unselfishness, you know, in the attitude of Christ, Philippians chapter two, when, when, when it says that, when it says that we should count the needs of others more important than ourselves, um, when it teaches us by example that we should be getting together a whole lot more than once or twice a week, but, you know, to really, to, to, um, seek father together and to worship him and to share the word with one another and to encourage one another. Um, when, when all those things are there and we strip away all the man-made excuses that we've made, we're left with something that was so dynamic that even in a culture where community, they were community minded, not individualistic minded in the Middle East, you know, where all this started. Mm-hmm. And and it blew those people's minds when they saw what was happening. Yeah. And so um, I, I, I Koinonia Coffee House will be successful when there's at least one small group of Christians who say, I don't care what I'm left with, what I'm gone, other than the testimony of having lived for Jesus Christ. And all this other stuff does not come. I mean, if if people who don't know Jesus are willing to find the one thing that's the most important to them in their lives and strip everything else away that gets in the way of that, they're called minimalists, okay? And they're doing it for all the wrong reasons. I get that. But they understand that the things of, of our culture often take the place and get in the way of what is essential, what is important to God and for us as Christians. And, and if Jesus isn't the most important thing in your life and you're not willing to strip away everything that gets in the way of being able to get together with brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, the, the, I'm sorry, folks, they got together every single day, <laughs> you yeah. know, and in, and they lived in community together. doesn't mean communally, but in community together and, and met each other's needs. And even if you had only enough and somebody had less than enough, you gave out of your enough so that you two could suffer together until, yeah. you know, and, and that's when Koinonia, yeah. uh, Koinonia, t- when Koinonia takes place, Koinonia coffee house is success. Yeah. As you're uh, speaking, something that popped in my mind is when the disciples are like, Jesus, teach us how to pray. His first words were our father, father, yep, our yep. father. Amen. So e- even in the, the Lord's prayer, he's preaching to us that this is about community. It's about fellowship. It's about being together under God together, Amen. not my father or just starting dear heavenly father. It's like our father. And I think Amen. that. That's something that's that's a that's something I've never noticed until I, I'm hearing you speak. I'm like, yeah, it's our Father. It's us together to 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 be together to fight life together. And because when the persecution comes in those tribulation times, yep. those that are trying to stand by themselves won't stand for very long. 
Amen. Amen. You know, the, the, the Greek word that's, that's um, translated you is C-S-I-C. And um, it is used all over the New Testament. 66% of the time it's used, it's plural. When we read, we're, because we think as individuals in Western culture, when we read the word you, we think of me. Mm-hmm. But the majority of the time that it's used, two-thirds of the time that it's used, it's talking about us, the, the plural you, not the singular you. And we read it as the same. We're always reading our Western lifestyles and our Western way of thinking into the New Testament and the Old Testament. And when in reality, you know, the New Covenant is a uh, uh, first century Middle Eastern uh, people with a Jewish mindset and uh, not 21st century Americans, Western people with an American mindset. And we have to learn to read the scriptures um, as the people through whom and to whom it was given. And um, so anyway, yeah, sorry. I I, I can start preaching on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm helping you out. I'm I'm letting you get it all out now so you can stick to your five minutes on Saturday. Yes. Yes. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So the final, final question I always ask is uh, for anyone that wants to step up, Use their gifts, their talents, their passions, all to the glory of God. What is your wise counsel? Most important thing, somebody said to me once, um, uh, prayer and fasting are the most important things. And I agree with that. But I, I take it a little bit uh, differently now. Um, and, and, and I think that time of solitude alone with God is essential. If you can't recognize the conscious presence of God in solitude, you'll never recognize it in the midst of everything going on around you. And so you'll never be able to live and walk in the spirit. But, um, the most important thing is to realize that while in ministry, we do things to and for people. And while we say things to people, ministry at its very heart, at its essential heart, is who we are with people. It's the attitude of Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not count that equality with God something to be grasped unto, but he emptied himself and took the form of a servant. And he was found the identity as a man, and he identified with us in the midst of our sin and obediently went to the cross sacrificially. So whatever you do, whatever gifts you use, it's authentic Christian ministry if it's based on who you are with people living dangerous acts of unselfishness. I often say if ministry doesn't hurt, it isn't ministry. Hmm. Somewhere along the line, it comes down to sacrifice. And um, that probably is the most important thing I think that we need to understand about ministry. Yeah. Amen. That's a good word. I, and I think that uh, that resonate, will resonate with people who, who listen and, and will actually apply it. Um, but that's the, that's the, the weakness and, and the challenge of we can get all the, the great knowledge and wisdom. It just, you got to apply it. Yep. And, now I have to go out and live it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you preach and that happens so often you preach to yourself as much as you are anybody else. Amen. So uh, uh, Jim Warren of uh, Koinonia Coffee House opening this weekend. 
in Wheatfield, Indiana. Find uh, the uh, information online on Facebook and uh, keep an eye out for the website when it launches. Uh, you find them at Quinonia Coffee House, uh, popping up on your screen. Also in the show notes, uh, it's spelled K O I N O N I A C O F F E E H O U S E. And I probably yep. said that way too fast for anybody to jot down. That's why you check out the show notes. But uh, Quinonia Coffee House, uh, uh, Jim, it's been a pleasure. I, I love your heart. I love your passion. And uh, I love what you, you're getting started there. And pray nothing but blessings brother. on you. Uh, Thank you. Now, anybody that's listening or watching, if they want to support, what's the best way to support? Is there a website or is there a way to donate to you or, or how can um, you can you can send it to to um, we're we're just switching things over, okay. Mm-hmm. But if you go to um, you send it to PO Box sixty five Wheatfield Indiana DLD. You make a check out to DLD PO Box sixty five Wheatfield Indiana. That will that will be put into the coffee house fund. And what's the, and uh, will the code be there? Uh, 46392. All right. So I'll just pop that up on the screen as we wrap up. DLD uh, to P.O. Box 65, Wheatfield, Indiana, 46392. And that's a way to support and uh, help uh, get this coffee house going and, and invest in the kingdom. If, uh, if you feel God's tugging on your heart to do that, and you're not in the Midwest where you can drive out and be a part of one of the events that they, that, that will be going on. This would be a, another way. Uh, and then of course, always, and, and uh, your testimony proves there is power in prayer. Amen. So pray for the cause. Pray for us. Yes. Yeah. Amen. And uh, as we wrap up, I want to invite you to come back. Uh, we'll be back live next Monday evening. Uh, we'll have, um, uh, a lady from the uh, ministry Save the Storks, Diane Ferraro. She's actually the CEO of Save the Storks, which is an organization that's out there trying to uh, give free ultrasounds and help uh, fight against abortion. So uh, uh, check out next week, uh, Monday night, live, 7.30 p.m. Central Time, uh, Diane Ferraro. And then we have a pre-recorded special uh, uh, interview coming up next week on the 11th. Uh, we'll have uh, Gigi Orsillo. Uh, she, uh, you may have seen her in, um, uh, sleeper agent. You may have seen her in other productions. She's got a lot of great films coming out, a lot of projects coming out and she's just a fun person to talk to. So we had a lot of fun talking with Gigi, uh, and that's pre-recorded coming out on May 11th, uh, because she is starring in, uh, family camp, uh, which also stars the, uh, skit guys. So, uh, that movie is actually coming out next Saturday, uh, on the 13th. So we're having her come on on the 11th to share about uh, Family Camp and the other projects she's a part of, including Pulled from Darkness. Uh, so that's going to be a really fun conversation next um, next week on the 11th. So be sure to check out those two shows. Two shows coming up next week, uh, Save the Storks, a phenomenal ministry. We're really excited to uh, share their story next week, as well as uh, talk about Family Camp uh, next week as well. So uh, just a big uh, shout out and a thank you to uh, to Allison. Uh, Allison, thank you for your prayers for uh, Quinonia Coffee House. We appreciate you and, and you hanging out with us. Um, if you're somebody that's in the Midwest, you're looking for entertainment, uh, check out the Quinonia Coffee House on Saturdays. If you want to bring entertainment to you, 
check out Wellverse Comedy here in Chicagoland. Uh, we'll be at uh, the Koinonia Co- Coffee House on June 4th, but don't wait till June 4th. Come on out every weekend that you can. Uh, a lot of great entertainment, including our friends, uh, the Four Course Comedy based in Indiana. And uh, uh, Jim, uh, once again, just uh, thank you so much for being on and uh, for your heart. Uh, and uh, we look forward to uh, building this relationship in the future. Uh, me too. And thank you so much for having me. Sorry I had to walk away there for a few minutes. Ah, no worries. Uh, I <laughs> was uh, plugging away on some other things, so uh, it's yeah. all good. Uh, we'll roll the credits now, and we will see everybody next Monday night right here on the Gifts of Glory podcast.